0: Recording in progress.
1: Good evening. I'd like to call to order the January 8th, 2024 Shoreline City Council meeting. And tonight, the first order of business will be swearing in the new council members. And I am happy to introduce Judge Raul Martinez to perform our oath of office. Would the newly elected council members please come down to the podium.
2: Well, thank you for having me here Uh, Just a few uh, brief comments uh, that I've been asked to make Uh, Martin Luther King jr. Once famously uh, said Life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Many of us have asked ourselves that question and we've answered it to varying degrees in our own way but tonight we have the privilege of witnessing three individuals answer this question in an extraordinary way, they're going to take an oath to serve as stewards of this wonderful, diverse community of shoreline and its elect, uh, local uh, and its local government. As elected officials, uh, each is forming a compact of sorts with our community. They're agreeing to uh, give, amongst other things, their time and talents towards effective local governance. They are agreeing to uh, contribute to a vision and to do what it takes to get us there. And in return, each will receive, amongst other things, the satisfaction of a life well lived in service of others and the opportunity to leave a legacy in our community. We're grateful that these three individuals stopped to ask themselves the question, what am I doing for others? And we're grateful that they accepted the challenge of serving as our elected council members. We're grateful that they're willing to do the hard work to keep Shoreline moving forward. Thank you for your commitment to service and thank you to all our elected officials here tonight. All right. <laughs> Let's proceed with the oaths. Please raise your right hand or repeat after me. I, Keith Scully, having been duly elected.
3: I, Keith Scully, having been duly elected.
2: To the Office of City of Shoreline. Office of City of Shoreline, Council Position Number Two, Council Position Number Two, do solemnly swear Do solemnly swear that I will faithfully and impartially
3: That I will faithfully and impartially
2: discharge and perform the duties of this office. Discharge and perform the duties of this office. As prescribed by law As prescribed by law and to the best of my ability and to the best of my ability and that I will support and maintain and that I will support and maintain the Constitution of the United States of America the Constitution of the United States of America. And the Constitution of the State of Washington. And the Constitution of the State of Washington. And the Ordinances of the City of Shoreline. And the Ordinances of the City of Shoreline. Congratulations on the Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Annette Mason.
4: I, Annette Arimasu.
2: having been duly elected,
4: having been duly elected
2: to the office of the City of Shoreline, to
4: the office of the City of Shoreline,
2: Council Position Number Four,
4: Council Position Number Four,
2: do solemnly affirm,
4: do solemnly affirm,
2: that I will faithfully and impartially,
4: that I will faithfully and impartially
2: discharge and perform the duties of this office,
4: discharge and perform the duties of this office
2: as prescribed by law,
4: as prescribed by law.
2: And to the best of my ability,
4: and to the best of my ability,
2: and that I will support and maintain,
4: and that I will support and maintain,
2: the Constitution of the State of Washington,
4: the Constitution of the State of Washington,
2: and the United States of America, and the United States of America, and the ordinances of the City of Shoreline, and the ordinances of the City of Shoreline. Congratulations on Thank your election. Betsy Robertson having been duly elected
5: I, Betsy Robertson, having been duly elected
2: to the office of City of Shoreline
5: to the office of City of Shoreline
2: council position number 6
5: council position number 6
2: do solemnly swear
5: do solemnly swear
2: that I will faithfully and impartially
5: that I will faithfully and impartially
2: discharge the duties of this office
5: discharge the duties of this office
2: as prescribed by law
5: as prescribed by law
2: and to the best of my ability and
5: to the best of my ability
2: and that I will support and maintain and
5: that I will support and maintain
2: the Constitution of the state of Washington.
5: The Constitution of the state of Washington and
2: the United States of America
5: and the United States of America
2: and the ordinances of the city of Shoreline and
5: the ordinances of the city of Shoreline. Of city of Shoreline.
2: Congratulations on your real Thank, you.
1: Thank you, Judge Martinez. Next item on the agenda is the flag salute. If you would join me, please. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. I'll now call the roll. Councilmember Ramsdale? Present. Councilmember Scully? Present. Councilmember Mark Present. Councilmember Ademasu? Present. Councilmember Poby, Here. Councilmember Robertson? Here. Councilmember Roberts? Here. Okay, next item is election of mayor and deputy mayor. So the rules on how to elect were in your council packet, but I will briefly review them. Um, You may nominate only one person until Everyone wishing to nominate a candidate has had an opportunity to do so. Voting is gonna take place in the order of nominations. Please vote by raising your hand, and I'm only gonna call for affirmative votes. As soon as one of the nominees receives a majority vote, I will declare them elected and will not take any further votes on remaining nominees. And then if no one receives a majority, we're gonna start that process over, including asking for nominations again. After the mayor is elected, then the mayor will perform the same election for deputy mayor. So I will now accept nominations for mayor. Okay, Councilmember Ramsdell.
6: I nominate Chris Roberts for mayor.
1: Okay, and then I saw...
5: I'd like to nominate Keith Scully for mayor.
1: Okay. Are there any further nominations? Okay, seeing none, we're going to vote in the order that the nominations were received. All in favor for Chris Roberts as mayor, please raise your hand. Okay, I see four votes. Chris Roberts is elected mayor.
7: Thank you, and thank you, council. We now go to the election of deputy mayor and the same process by which uh, we've ran the election of of, of mayor. So I'll now call for nominations. Nom- Councilmember Ramsdale. I nominate Laura Mork. Thank you. Councilmember Robertson.
5: I nominate Evan Poby.
7: Okay, we'll, I'll call for the votes for Councilmember Mork. Uh, all those in favor, please signify by raising your hand. And I see four votes for Councilmember Mork. So congratulations, Councilmember Mork. And we will take a five minute recess and we'll reset our. Uh, seating arrangements on the dais. I'd like to call the Shoreline City Council regular meeting of Monday, January 28th, 2024, back to order. And uh, the first thing we're going to do today is we're going to proclaim January 15th, 2024 as Martin Luther King Day in the city of Shoreline. So on behalf of the Shoreline City Council, I'd like to proclaim January 15th as Dr. Martin Luther King Day in the city of Shoreline, and encourage all residents to work to end racism and fight for justice for all. And I will be signing a proclamation to that effect. The next item on the agenda is approval of the agenda. If there are no objections or comments, the agenda, seeing no objection, the agenda is adopted by unanimous consent. Next on the agenda is report of the city manager, Mr. Ellington.
8: Yes. Good evening, Council. We are in the process of updating our surface water master plan with continuing goals of cleaner streams and lakes, less flooding from rainstorms, and a city ready for climate change. We're planning our project through 2030, and we want to know what is important to our residents. Your feedback will help us decide our future projects and programs. Please take a few moments to fill out our surface water master plan survey by visiting engage.shoreline.gov forward slash There's a strong weather system moving into the area this week with heavy rain, wind and cold temperatures in the forecast for our area. The region will also see significant snow coming to the mountain passes and the possibility of ice or snow in shoreline later in the week we're asking residents to please check their neighborhood storm drains to make sure they're clear of debris a free sandbag station is available at Hamlin Park for residents who need them when snow falls we focus on plowing primary routes to keep them clear for transit commuters and emergency vehicles only when snow stops falling and primary routes are clear we will start work on secondary routes and their neighborhood streets Please remember that it's a responsibility of the property owner to shovel their sidewalks. To see your plow routes and get tips on preparing for power outages, windstorms, and heavy rain, please visit shorelinewa.gov forward slash stormready. Everyone who lives or works in Shoreline is invited to join us for City Learn, our monthly series of community meetings to learn about and discuss timely city issues. On Wednesday, join us and the Arc of King County online via Zoom for a session discussing disability and equity. Disability is a form of of diversity often left out of social justice conversations. Join us as we explore how biases impact our words and the way we treat people with disabilities. Visit ShorelineWA.gov forward slash CityLearn for information. In recognition of Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday, January 15th, City Hall and the Richmond Highlands Recreation Center will be closed. Spartan Recreation Center will be open for a regular schedule. And finally, our next public meeting on the calendar is the Parks Tree Board meeting on Thursday, January 11th. Due to Martin Luther King Jr. Day, our next City Council meeting will be January 22nd. As always, meetings, meeting agendas, and information on how to participate in all of our public meetings is available on the city's web calendar at shorelinewa.gov forward slash calendar. And that concludes the city manager's report.
7: Thank you, Mr. Ellington. This brings us to council reports. Are there any council reports this evening? Deputy Mayor Mark?
9: Thank you, Mayor. I attended the K4C uh, meeting where there was a discussion of some upcoming legislation. House Bill 2049 is the rewrap, which is about uh, having its extending producer responsibility, and uh, the companion bill to that is HB 2144, which is bottle deposit return. The the anticipation is is that should 2049 pass, the current uh, the current recycle rate is 49 percent. They think when it's passing, it'll be 69 percent. So it's a big deal for those of us who want greenhouse gas to go down. And uh, and there are other bills that are under consideration is community solar, multifamily decarbonization with state help, and zero-emission school buses. Thank you.
7: Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Any further council reports? Yes. Council Member Hody.
10: Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Last Friday, we had a seashore transportation forum. It it was fantastic because it was early, 7.30 a.m., and so we had a lot of people coming, and what we're looking to do is not just to be a group of people gathering. We want to do more for our region and looking at the progress of all the light rail, all the projects happening in Lingwood. And so uh, it, it will continue, uh, and I think more updates uh, should come. So thank you.
7: Thank you, Councilmember Poppy. Any further council reports? Uh, I just want to let everyone know that I will be soliciting interest and participation on the subcommittee to review applications for in- Interview candidates for open positions on the Planning Commission Please let me know tonight or of- over the next week if you'd like to participate on that committee also uh, I will be soliciting interest in partic- in appointments to the other committees including seashore So if it's a council appointed committee, uh, please let me know if you'd like to either remain or you'd like to serve on one of those council committees. And this brings us to public comment. And here we go, two-sided pages. (laughs) Next on the agenda is public comment. This is the portion of the meeting where members of the public may address the City Council on agenda items or any other topic for three minutes or less, depending on the number of people wishing to speak. The total public comment period will be no more than 30 minutes. If more than 10 people are signed up to speak, each speaker will be allocated two minutes. And how many people are signed up to speak tonight? Uh,
1: Well, five total, but two of them are signed up for the public hearing this evening.
7: OK, so everyone will have three minutes tonight. So the clerk is going to call in-person speakers first, and then remote speakers will be called on second. When it is your turn, please uh, begin. state your name, city of residence, and or any organization that you represent. Please be advised that your testimony is being recorded.
1: So we have no in-person speakers signed up this evening, so I'll, remove, I'll move over to the remote speakers. First on the list is Felix Young. I do not see Mr. Young in the list of attendees. Mr. Young, if you're here, can you please raise your hand? I have one attendee raising their hand, but the name doesn't match. So I'm going to move on down the list for now to Teresa Richards.
7: And Ms. Richards, when you're ready, please begin.
1: Ms. Richards, I see that you're unmuted, but we can't hear you. Okay, can you hear me now?
7: We can hear you, yes, barely.
11: Okay, I'm not sure if I'm going through my phone. That's better but okay um good evening shoreline city council members i am teresa richards from Anc- Alaska, and i represent black llc and i'm commenting on city enforcement case number 23-0262 in this case city staff have alleged that the metro access program is operating without valid permits We object to this allegation, but so far we have had little success in trying to negotiate a solution with staff. That is why I again urge the council to take notice and begin asking questions about the city's arbitrary enforcement actions against the metro Access property. The council is the legislative body for the city. If this process continues to increase legal, these issues will come before you one way or another. Please do not allow these things to get worse. Instead, please ask staff who work with Metro and Black Grant in good faith to find a solution that works for everyone. As a refresher, Black Grant is a joint venture between Alaska Native Corporations. For over 10 years, our property in Shoreline has helped Metro deliver transit services to riders with disabilities throughout Shoreline and the region. But in the last months, the city has wrongfully interfered with Black Grant's business expectations. Casting doubt on the future of this investment for our tribal members and causing uncertainty for Shoreline's disabled community. Today, we understand that Metro has emailed two recently discovered documents to the city attorney for your attention. These documents clearly show that the city's enforcement action is arbitrary and capricious. A well-documented business expectation to sell this property to Metro. The city knew about this expectation. The city's baseless enforcement actions were and are a wrongful interference. The city harmed our tribal members by derailing the sale and the financial harm continues today. We do not want to file a lawsuit to get your attention. Please begin asking questions about what is going on here. So we ask city staff to work with us in good faith to find a solution that can meet the city's goals harming tribal members people with disabilities and our
1: transit providers
7: thank you thank you
1: next is derek blackwell
7: whenever you're ready
12: hello. yes hello this is derek blackwell i live in shoreline nearby the madeira development uh, many neighbors agree poor garage access will create traffic hazards 34 percent of public comments specifically mention this and i'm persisting because we're out of options Uh, To clarify from last time, because I had to cut out some of the email exchange with Kate Lee to get it under three minutes, Kate brought up other nearby residential buildings. She stated, Vehicle access for Pace Line, which I'm sure you know, is, quote, off the east side near the Interurban Trail. This is incorrect. There's no vehicle entrance here. I wrote back, quote, Pace Line is accessed from a four-lane road, Aurora Avenue North, so there's less chance of resident and delivery vehicles queuing here blocking traffic. Along with the other comments I read you last time, pointing out that assuming she had been correct, the dead end near the interurban trail is in no way comparable to Linden Avenue, an arterial used by emergency vehicles, a narrow street, and no speed bumps allowed. Uh, Kate also mentioned uh, Geo on Meridian uh, and stating this only has one entrance. Wrong again. I pointed out it has two. Uh, both out of the way on two different side streets, much less congestion, and less than half the size of the Linden projects. Uh, Both of these buildings are about one block from where you're sitting right now, and she's still got them both wrong. So how seriously is she taking this? Uh, We went through another couple rounds of this with other buildings in the planning stage. With every example that Kate brought up, I replied with the basic facts demonstrating how they are not similar to the construction on Linden or pointing out more outright mistakes. She didn't reply further on any of these examples that she brought up. She just kept looking for new ones and I kept showing you these were not comparable to Madeira and Brea, which are exceptionally large, close together on a narrow street and in Madeira's case, very badly situated. Unless you think I'm putting you on, I think I should share Kate's other examples. I hope this makes sense to you. We don't have time for all this now. All of this is from a long email thread begun by Tom McCormick, he cc neighbors who joined in. About 50 people showed up to the neighborhood meeting last year. Uh, The second one that we demanded due to lack of notice and scheduled for 8 p.m. Many ideas were put forward, but there was general agreement. We were given answers that didn't make much sense. Kate Lee ran that meeting. And as I told you then, developers and city staff, I think, realize they don't have to make sense. In hindsight, they were just biding their time waiting for the determination of non-significance. Neighborhood residents have gained absolutely nothing we asked for. It appears we have no real say anyway. Can you please help? Thank you so much for hearing me and thank you for all you do in these difficult times.
7: Thank you. And have we gotten Mr. Young back?
1: I do not see that Mr. Young has joined.
7: So we are finished with the people signed up for public comment then?
1: yes and then the the remaining two will speak during the public hearing
7: thank you Um, okay (laughs) this brings us to the uh, item seven which oh if anyone from the audience would like to address the council sorry if you can please state your name and city of residence and if you're able can you
13: (laughs) My name is Betty Lynn Brown. I'm a resident of Shoreline and have been for many years. And I've come tonight to speak on behalf of the urban forests and environmental education. I've been a steward of Southwoods for many years, and we have monthly work parties. And next month, we are going to have a trash mound that's been there for 40 years removed. And I want to thank the city treasurer for supporting this and paying for it because it's an expensive project, but it's right next door to Shorecrest High School. And my vision, my dream for years has been to make that area an environmental lab where the students can come and really study environmental science. Every park in Shoreline, every uh, school in Shoreline has a park nearby. And wouldn't it be wonderful if all these schools could really embrace environmental education and steward the parks that are next to them? Um, If there's any enthusiasm for this, um, I would really get behind you. On February 10th, We will meet at South Woods from 10 to 2, and we're going to continue the work we've been doing. But once the excavation of that trash mound is complete, through the spring and summer, I welcome all of the leaders and citizens of Shoreline to come and join um, on usually the first Saturday of every month. Thank you so very much.
7: Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience who wishes to address us? tonight? Please come to the podium, and again, state your name, City of Residence.
14: My name is Cindy McCray, and I am a Shoreline resident of many years. I'm um, here tonight on behalf of the Shoreline Senior Center, and we would all like to thank the City of Shoreline and the City Council for the funding support of the Behavioral Health Care Manager at our center. Without that funding, we would not have uh, Ms. Beeler providing the following services for our shoreline seniors. She provides um, advocacy and referrals for seniors to community resources for concerns related to housing, food assistance, transportation, financial, legal, and mental health issues. She offers emotional support and short-term counseling to seniors and their families for issues um, related to aging, grief, and loss, adjustment to illness, and caregiving. She assists with communication um, applications to community agencies for services, including senior housing, um, which is a big one. There's a backlog of affordable senior housing here. Utility discount programs and public benefits. She's an asset to our community and she helps a lot of people and we really do appreciate the funding that was granted to the Senior Center so that we have this wonderful asset to use. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Okay, now we'll go on to the next item on the agenda, which is the consent calendar. Is there a motion to approve the consent calendar? I move Definitely. the
9: approval of the consent calendar. Calendar. Second that.
7: There's a motion and a second to a- adopt the consent calendar. Will the clerk please call the roll?
9: Councilmember Ramsdale? Aye.
1: Councilmember Scully? Aye. Deputy Mayor Mark? Aye. Mayor Roberts? Aye. Councilmember Adamasu? Aye. Councilmember Povey? Aye. Councilmember Robertson.
7: Aye. That motion passes unanimously. And this brings us to action item eight A. Public hearing on and action on ordinance number. 1004 extending the moratorium on transit bus bases and individual transportation and taxi facilities for 30 days and as this is an action item will the clerk please read I guess I did read that into the record so <laughs> uh, so Kate Lee our senior plan- planner is presenting this item this evening the agenda for the public hearing is going to be this a staff presentation followed by public testimony and then council action if desired So, Ms. Lee, you may proceed.
15: Uh, Thank you, Mayor and Council. Um, This presentation informs the public hearing and the potential action on proposed emergency ordinance number 1004, an emergency citywide moratorium on the filing, acceptance, processing, and or approval of all applications or permits for transit bus bases and individual transportation and taxi facilities in all zones in the city of Shoreline. The city's land use zoning regulations and plans have changed significantly since incorporation in 1995 but these two uses the transit bus bases and individual transportation and taxi facilities have gone unexamined since incorporation in 1995 including allowing the uses in areas that are not consistent with the comprehensive plan on july 17 2023 the city council unanimously adopted ordinance number 991 which enacted an emergency moratorium that prohibited the city from accepting, processing, and or approving all applications for permits for transit bus bases and individual transportation and taxi facilities, while city staff could further study these two uses. On August 14th, the city council held the required public hearing on this ordinance. In September of this year, uh, September of last year, 2023, staff conducted research into other cities in King County and how these two uses are regulated. On October 19th, city staff presented those research findings to the Planning Commission, and the Planning Commission discussed the permanent regulations for these uses, and on November 16th, the commission held a public hearing and made a recommendation on the permanent regu- regulations to City Council. On December 11th of last year, City Council discussed the Planning Commission recommended permanent regulations and raised several questions and concerns. The permanent code regulations were uh, tentatively scheduled for action on tonight's meeting. However, staff requests that potential action on the permanent regulations be taken instead on January 22nd and that the emergency moratorium be extended for 30 days via ordinance number 1004. Adoption of this extension allows continued discussion and input and for the permanent regulations to be considered at a future meeting. So this ordinance extends the moratorium and and as mentioned previously prevents any filing acceptance, processing, or approval of applications for permits on these two uses. The moratorium extension is in effect for 30 days and may be extended. The public hearing has to be held within 60 days of ordinance adoption and is being held tonight. So tonight the public hearing will be held and potential action will be taken on this ordinance number 1004. And action on the permanent regulations is scheduled for the January 22nd city council meeting. And so, following the public hearing and Council discussion, staff recommends that Council waive Council Rule 3.6B and adopt Ordinance Number 1004. Passage of of this ordinance requires at least a majority plus one of the whole membership of the Council. Adoption of this extension allows continued discussion and input for the permanent regulations to be considered at the January 22nd meeting. The purpose of the public hearing is to create a forum for the public to provide testimony to the council and uh, to provide suggestions for regulation of transit bus bases and individual transportation and taxi facilities. And the public hearing satisfies the state requirements. That's all that I have
7: for you tonight. Thank you. I now wish to open the public hearing Public testimony is limited to three minutes per person testifying. The city clerk is going to act as the timekeeper for each speaker. Ms. Semelchek-Smith, has anyone signed up for the public hearing? I think you said there are two.
1: No one in person has signed up, but we have two people who are participating remotely.
7: Okay. When your name is called, please state your name and city of residence for the record.
1: The first speaker is Josh Friedman.
16: Oh, can you hear me? (coughs) Yes, we can. Good evening, council members. My name is Josh Friedman, and I'm here as an attorney for Black Brant LLC speaking tonight concerning ordinance number 1004. As you are hopefully beginning to understand, this moratorium and the ordinance to extend it is creating risk of displacing a facility that has, for over a decade, provided transit services to Shoreline's disabled community, provided family wage jobs to drivers and mechanics, and provided revenues to rural tribal members who need it. To our knowledge, there has never been a single complaint by anyone about the Metro Access site. There is no emergency here. There should have been no moratorium. Instead of extending this moratorium, the council should allow it to expire. The extension appears to be proposed in order to finalize new development regulations that seem aimed at driving the Metro Access program from its current shoreline site without any clear options that would avoid a service disruption. The situation started to become bad when the city's enforcement activities derailed Black Brant's plan to sell the property. A service disruption would make a bad situation dramatically worse. The council should tread carefully and should ask hard questions before it continues down this road. If the city's draft regulations are applied to the Metro Access property, the city may be risking a violation of the Growth Management Act. The Growth Management Act, or GMA, prohibits any local development regulations from precluding the siting of essential public facilities. Courts have interpreted this provision to mean that once a regionally significant facility has been cited, the the city has, quote, a duty to accommodate the facility. Essential public facilities include those that are typically difficult to site, like regional transportation facilities. We believe the proposed new regulations would effectively preclude this essential public facility from the city of Shoreline. By doing so, the regulations would breach the city's duty to accommodate essential public facilities as required by the Growth Management Act. To facilitate a solution, rather than making a bad situation worse, the council should allow the moratorium to expire. The council should not extend the moratorium, and it certainly should not adopt the preclusive regulations that are on your agenda for January 22nd. Thank you.
7: Thank you.
1: Okay, so the next person signed up is Amanda Pleasant-Brown.
7: Whenever you are ready. Can you hear me? Yes, we can.
17: Thank you. Good evening, Council. My name is Amanda Pleasant-Brown. I live in Seattle, and I am speaking on behalf of King County Metro. I am providing comments to Ordinance 1004, expending the moratorium on special use permits. Metro serves paratransit riders in North King County from the Shoreline Access Facility located at 16325 Fifth Avenue Northeast. That facility is the subject of the current code enforcement action and is the why behind the moratorium and the reason for the development regulations you will consider adopting on January 22nd. Metro wants to make transportation work for everybody in King County. And not only because it's, feder- its federally law mandates it, we do it because it's the right thing to do. I know that public servants like yourselves feel the same way. You're here to do good work for the right reasons for the people of Shoreline. However, over the last six months, Shoreline has put the right thing in jeopardy. After the city learned that Metro intended to buy the access property, on July 17th, the city informed Metro that the access facility was in illegal use, that the vans, maintenance space, and parking were out of step with the car repair shop across the street that also has cars, vans, and maintenance space. That is inconsistent with the large school bus depot three blocks to the east on the same day shoreline adopted the moratorium on the issuances of the permits removing metro's ability to resolve the alleged land use violation on september 25th 2023 shoreline issued a notice of violation and order to the property owner black Brand, who you would have heard from today Black rent is out of sale, is subject to penalties and fines, and may be forced to evict the access program. These recent events betray the history of the site. Shoreline specifically authorized the current use on the property at the development stage 10 years ago. This use has not changed, nor has the city claimed as much. Thousands and thousands of trips to doctor's appointments, family gatherings, holiday parties, to church, and probably some trips to your city hall have all started and ended at that access base. The city's approach is arbitrary. These actions don't appear to be an effective means to achieve shoreline goals on the site. Metro's goal is to ensure uninterrupted service to our access riders, and we want to maintain a long-standing, productive relationship with the city of shoreline. This path doesn't need to proceed. Shoreline can avoid challenges to the development regulations, actions for damages for interfering, and interfering in the sale of the property, public relations challenges that will flow from the enforcement action, time inexpensive, potential Public Records Act violations, a challenging outcome in your code violation process and potential appeals thereto. In each of these scenarios, paratransit riders may lose longer wait times, service interruption, or no service. We can agree that this is unacceptable, so as council members, what can you do? Let the moratorium lapse and direct your code enforcement staff to drop the code enforcement action. Metro can still purchase the property as originally planned to secure access services for most vulnerable riders. This way, Metro and Shoreline can partner in ultimate site redevelopment. Let's get back to building things together with patience and perseverance. Thank you for your time this evening.
7: Thank you. Are there any other in-person attendees who wish to testify? No, seeing none, I will now close the public hearing. And since this is an action item, I'll now entertain a motion to adopt ordinance number 1004. Is there a motion to adopt ordinance 1004? Councilmember Robertson.
5: I move that we adopt act, uh, ordinance number 1004.
10: Second that.
7: And I presume you're also leaving council rules and the other things that were described on the screen before? I am. Thank you. Okay, Councilmember Robertson, to your motion.
5: Yes, I'd like to have the additional time to consider this matter, and I think extending it um, at this time does make sense for the city.
7: Thank you. Is there any further discussion? Deputy Mayor Mark.
9: I, I have a clarifying uh, question for you, uh, Ms. Lee. On this on slide with a recommendation, it says adopt ordinance number 991. Are we doing 991 or 1004?
0: one zero zero four thank you we did correct the motion that will be um, to, to
1: i can i corrected it. Yeah. i can display that if you'd like we
0: noticed that it had the wrong and so we corrected that
9: thank you i i got confused
0: yeah.
7: any further discussion Councilmember member ramsey uh thank you mayor. <coughs> thank you mayor
6: i just have a question uh uh i you know I, I worked worked as a social worker with disabled adults for years and years and years and i'm a little concerned about um Uh, How this may impact service to uh, disabled adults, you know having to have that site removed Um, Have there been any other alternative sites that the city has um, has uh, um, suggested for um, this um, uh, For the the uh, access um, uh, site Or is that something can can be discussed?
8: Yes, with the um, proposed amendment um, that will be discussed potentially at your January 22nd meeting, there are um, numerous sites that are located that would be allowed um, for this use um, throughout the city. Um, So those have been discussed with the applicant as well, and they are aware of those locations, um, and we're in continued conversations with the applicant. Thank you, no other questions?
7: Okay, any further discussion? yeah deputy mayor
9: uh, thank you um, one of the commenters made suggestions about the timing of the enforcement action uh, and I was just curious if there the city has a response to that
14: when you say timing
9: um, they delineated the dates uh, that the the metro notified the city and when the enforcement action was happened, and they suggested they were related, and I was just trying to get a city response.
0: No, to my knowledge, um, there is still no um, actual agreement between King County and Black Brand to purchase the property. There is no purchase and sale agreement, and I believe what they have insinuated is that the action somehow interfered um, with that yet-to-occur process.
9: Thank you.
7: Thank you. Any further discussion? Seeing no further discussion, Ms. Semelscheck-Smith, can you please call the vote?
1: Councilmember Ramsdell. Aye. Councilmember Scully. Aye. Deputy Mayor Mork. Aye. Mayor Roberts. Aye. Councilmember Otomasu. Aye. Councilmember Poby. Aye. Councilmember Robertson.
5: Aye.
7: And that motion passes unanimously. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is not item 9A, which is a discussion of the Human Services Strategic Plan. Bethany Wolbrock-Dunn is presenting the item tonight. And team, I believe. Welcome, everyone.
18: Good evening, Mayor and Council. Uh, again, I am Bethany Waberk Dunn, the City's Community Services Manager, and I'm here with guests from Burke uh, Consultants today, and I'll, I'll do a little introdu- introducing of them in a few slides. But in the first one, I wanted to provide a little bit of context to what we're going to be sharing, the information we're we'll going to be sharing today. So, uh, we are going to be talking about the Human Services Strategic Plan. So, a little bit of background. Um, Shoreline has provided funding to human services agencies and organizations since shortly after incorporation uh, in 1995. Uh, every two years, in cycle with our biennial budget process, uh, staff bring forth to council a slate of uh, human services funding plan that the council reviews and then approves. And so that is something when we talk about, uh, you may hear us refer to the human services plan, that is something that happens on a every two year cycle. Uh, And with this, when we talk about the strategic plan, this is more of a longer term uh, planning document that we're currently developing. Um, Council approved funding for this strategic plan process as part of your 2023, 2024 budget. There has been a few instances over the uh, life of the city, that we have done several needs assessments, um, but nothing uh, to this depth of scope in terms of strategic plan looking at all aspects from funding to staffing to what uh, uh, our our residents and the community want us to be in terms of human services in Shoreline. And so we're excited that uh, we're able to, uh, that that funding was approved and we've been able to go through this process the last couple of months. And as part of that, Burke Consulting was selected to lead the development of a human services strategic plan. And so we have been working with them uh, since midsummer in the development of this plan. And so today we'll be sharing uh, the takeaways so far and uh, what schedule is upcoming for council review and hopefully approval of a full human services strategic plan. And I will pass this along to uh, are the staff from uh, Burke, Uh, Allegra Calder, I'm sure you guys are familiar with her from several city retreats, Catherine Cortez, and Maddie Immel, who have been, like I said, working with us since midsummer. So I'll turn that over to Burke.
19: Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Bethany, and uh, good evening, Mayor Roberts and members of the council. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here tonight. I'm gonna kick us off and then quickly uh, pass it over to Catherine and Maddie uh, to talk a little bit more about what we've been up to. Bethany did a nice job of overviewing sort of what what we're doing, but our charge is really to develop a comprehensive human services plan uh, that will include recommendations on service goals and priorities, uh, levels of funding, and then staffing to ensure that you're meeting the needs of Shoreline's community. We started this work back in August. Uh, We're here today to talk to you about what's our process been. Uh, and what are the sort of key findings to date and then we'll be back in February with some recommendations and as Bethany mentioned uh, spend some time in April. Hopefully uh, you will have reviewed the plan and we will adopt it at that time. I do want to note uh, that we're going to be talking about some needs and some findings uh, that I think represent a far greater need than the city can address. So between sort of rising income inequality and a tax structure that often exacerbates disparities and often disadvantages the people who most need human services. Um there are some really pressing needs and challenges and even a city investment of a huge size that would be like double what you could do is not going to address all of that. So I think that's just important to keep in mind as you hear about what we heard from the community. That said, Um, we do hope that by presenting some of the specifics uh, and the priorities in shoreline we'll be able to help you with a plan that can have the greatest impact in helping your community to thrive so in terms of what we've done um, task-wise we have um, had a couple of streams of work that are informing today's presentation Uh, we started just by reviewing your materials we looked at the Shoreline resident satisfaction survey Uh, we've been trying to also integrate with what you're learning through the comprehensive planning process and ensure that this work integrates with that. We interviewed several service providers in the area and also uh, Maddie will talk more about some city interviews of other jurisdictions that um, have also engaged in human services work. Um, We did a focus group with city staff here at Shoreline. And then Maddie, will also talk about a model we used where um, we contracted directly with some community partners to do some specific engagement. So with that, I'll turn it over to Catherine to talk about community needs.
0: Thanks so much, Allegra. Uh, again, I'm Catherine Cortez. Uh, thanks for having us here tonight. Um, some of the material that I'm privileged to present, you uh, will hopefully be quite familiar to you all as you're uh, familiar with your constituents. Um, The satisfaction survey that we mentioned previously really laid out some priorities that uh, align with the goal of providing quality human services, both directly, uh, the quality of human services was an issue area that residents wanted to see emphasized in the next two years, as well as overall response to homelessness, which of course has many intersections with human services. Um, Those were two of the top three choices that people identified and of course are not mutually exclusive with any of the others but certainly rise to people's uh, uh, level of importance. In terms of the population and community context, uh, as you all know, Shoreline is uh, growing and becoming increasingly more racially diverse. bringing up need for making sure that services are appropriate to different communities uh, that you're seeing here. Uh, There's just over 60,000 people now in Shoreline, uh, representing a slower and more stable growth rate at 1% than the whole of King County. Uh, Shoreline residents have a lower average income, although, of course, there's much disparity there and a higher percentage of older adults and people with disabilities than the county as a whole. Uh, some of the critical needs within shoreline have been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, including financial stability, housing, and behavioral health issues. Uh, and these continue even though, even as we see the end of funding related to COVID-19. And with that, I'll pass it off to Maddie to talk about the results of our community engagement.
20: Hi, everyone. My name is Maddie Immel, and thanks so much for having us. Um, To make sure that we were hearing from community members and especially community members that use these services, we interviewed a number of different community organizations and also spoke with City of Shoreline staff in a focus group. But we went beyond that and we really wanted to develop a more nuanced understanding, especially from specific um, community groups and community members. So we contracted with four engagement partners and worked with Banchero Disability Partners, Canopy Scholars the Center for Human Services, and St. Dunstan's Episcopal Church to design an engagement approach um, that worked best for them and the people that they serve. So we actually heard directly from adults with disabilities or um, people experiencing homelessness um, through these engagement partners that we worked with. Some key findings from that work, and really where the highest human services needs are, Um, Not surprisingly, we heard a lot about housing and homelessness, behavioral health, and a large category of basic needs, which includes things like food assistance and medical care. We also heard other needs, including uh, access to tutoring and financial and employment assistance. So under the category of housing and homelessness, Um, We really heard that people are struggling to find apartments that are big enough and priced affordably in Shoreline, sometimes forcing families to move out of the city to find uh, more affordable places to live. We also know that requests for help to avoid evictions have increased dramatically after the eviction moratorium ended in Washington state in 2021 and that housing and rental assistance is more of a band-aid than a long-term solution because of the larger affordability crisis impacting, I would say, all community members in Shoreline, and especially the ones that we heard from directly. When it comes to behavioral health, We heard that the behavioral health system is at capacity with people with private insurance, and so it can make it really difficult, not only for people with Medicaid or Medicare to navigate the system, but even to access it in the first place. We know that there's long waiting lists for behavioral health professionals, and that there's also an intersection between uh, mental health or substance use issues, along with basic needs. And especially with the unhoused community, we see those two very big issues um, coming together frequently. And also, even if there are services that are available, you know, they're they're not um, necessarily always culturally relevant for folks. And so um, when we spoke to Shoreline Public Schools and the Parent Teacher Association, they recognized the importance of affinity groups or support groups to make sure that people are connected to services and that they know what's available to them. In the large category of basic needs, we heard about the need for food assistance, um, struggling with medical care, especially um, large medical bills, help with utility assistance, the need for transportation, um, struggling to find employment, so being underemployed or finding employment, access to affordable childcare, and tutoring. Some other themes and considerations that we heard through this process was just sometimes that there's a lack of knowledge of services that are available um, or challenges in navigating those services or systems, especially for community members that don't speak English as their first language. Um, there's a quote here from a community member um, that really addresses a, you know, a need for tailored community outreach, especially for specific communities. Um, this person says, you know, maybe it's an information desk, additional community resources, newsletters, or social workers to make sure that people are connected and know that resources are available to them. We also heard that there's an ongoing and high need for services, um, but overall a really strong desire to live and stay in Shoreline. We heard this repeatedly, and it was um, really great to hear that people wanted to stay in their apartments or stay connected with their communities, but sometimes with affordability issues and you know other basic needs. Um, it can be a struggle to do that and of course um, just wanting to consider how to support an aging population given the city of shoreline's um, higher percentage of older adults so i'm going to kick it over to bethany who's going to talk about um, your current work in human services at the city
18: thanks maddie Um, so i've been fortunate to be working uh i started my career here in 2000 in human services um so i've been able to watch it evolve and i'm really excited to be uh, standing here, or sitting here today, to talk about what the city of Shoreline, our involvement in human services is. So, there are three major ways that the city I- engages in human services. One is uh, the biggest; it would be a funder of human services. So, um, this slide does show uh, the 2024 mostly amounts that uh, that we do fund into human services. Within that $759,000, that does include the 1% of reoccurring general funds that the council allocates for competitive human services process, and that is about $510,000. We also have included in that number uh, the dedicated or reserved funds. Those are for uh, funding that has a very specific purpose that's outlined in the uh, city budget uh, from about 95,000 for the senior center, Uh, Anywhere also including there is some specific revenues that the state provides to cities based on population that must be used for specific purposes such as for domestic violence uh, and or drug and alcohol counseling. So that's included those in there as well. And then there is, uh, you notice the one-time funding that uh, is listed as 176,000 in 2024, and those are for, just what it sounds like, one-time budget request. and that does include uh, some amendments that were made to, for human services funding as part of the mid-buy budget process, and it also includes uh, the funding that was mentioned in the public hearing regarding funding for a social worker at the senior center. Uh, I will say that there are uh, we do fund four priority areas within the uh, competitive funding. Uh, Very broad, as as you can tell, it does reflect some of the information we found uh, through our um, information gathering process. uh, Basic needs, counseling, behavioral health, children and youth, and then older adults. So just a couple other notes here before moving on to the next slide. Uh, We usually are only able to fund about 50% of requests that come in through the competitive funding process that takes uh, place on every other year process. Um, And the funding amounts do range anywhere from $5,000 to $260,000, and that does go to our largest provider, which is Hopelink in Shoreline. Um, And you will note uh, the other large amount is the 479,000 in uh, the COVID relief funding that does end in 2024. Uh, That is currently being allocated uh, to flexible financial assistance, counseling, behavioral health that focuses on youth and then other children and youth programming, um, including resource navigation and leadership opportunities. So we, we do see that cliff that's hanging out there after 2024. Um, and we uh, have had other COVID related funding, whether it be community development block grant um, or other federal dollars that have come through that have, that really bolstered the rental assistance. And so we have continued to see that funding come to a close and increase uh, requests for that of coming in and is reflective in the information that was gathered by Burke. So another role that we do play uh, is coordination, and whether that be between cities in the North and East region, whether that be um, as gatherers of of agencies and people together, some of those are listed on the slide. Um, We work really closely with the North Urban Human Services Alliance. Um, We basically um, coordinate the North King County Coalition on Homelessness. We remain heavily engaged in the community resource team that I work with staff from the school district to bring uh, folks in the community that work on youth and teen um, programming to make sure that we're all coordinating and are aware of uh, what each other are doing. Um, and we remain engaged in back-to-school and holiday basket events with the school district and the parent-teacher organization. So there's a lot of coordinating that goes on between uh, groups all doing very different, distinct things within the city, but it's really important, I I, I believe, that we stay engaged in those ways. Uh, And then we're talking also about uh, what our current staffing levels are. So uh, as as is listed in the staff uh, report uh, in, Starting in about, I believe, 1998, there were two full-time staff that were um, programmed for human services. Um, And for a few years, I was one of those staff in that role. Um, And right now, um, I, about 0.4 of my position is the only staff that we have allocated for human services. Of course, um, as as you would expect from city staff, we remain very um, engaged, and there's assistance from lots of other um, People and staff throughout the city, whether that's with our MFTE coordinator working on housing issues, our equity and social justice program uh, coordinator, neighborhood staff, park staff, recreation, uh, PCD, and even um, facilities, Uh, really is helpful. Uh, We're getting some trying to get that severe weather shelter up this week because it's cold weather's coming, and I've asked them again for assistance to move the uh, uh, sleeping pads back to the church. So. Everyone comes in and helps out, Um, but in terms of what is specifically allocated, it's just about 0.4 of my time. Um, Additionally, within CSD, we do have uh, three other programs outside of housing and human services. So we also have due to those COVID funds, some limited term staff that uh, is allocated through uh, the end of 2024, and that equals 1.4. And as we heard earlier there are instances where folks aren't exactly sure how to coordinate um, they've got some challenges with figuring out a system that can be very confusing where to go to help uh, how do i fill this form out um, what information do i need to bring from place to place to get the services i need so it is it has been helpful since uh, covid's come around to have that additional resource to be able to um, refer folks, too, for not case management, but short-term assistance in finding out what the right service is. Um, And they work very closely with folks at the Senior Center and our other programs. And so that's been a helpful resource um, as we have moved through COVID. And now I'll
20: give it back to Maddie. Thanks. Okay, so in addition to um, the community engagement, talking to community members, we also interviewed a few neighboring jurisdictions um, to learn what they were doing with their current human services programs. So we talked to the city of Bothell, Issaquah, Kenmore, Kirkland, and Renton. This um, looks at the different funding models that each of these jurisdictions have. You can see it ranges um, with uh, most of the cities that we spoke to using a per capita funding model for their human services, ranging from $6.76 in the city of Renton to $8 in the city of Bothell. But the city of Shoreline is the only one um, out of this group that uh, funds its human services by the 1% of the general fund. This slide um, compares the different funding amounts and also the number of staff members. And I will just say it's important to take these numbers with a grain of salt because every jurisdiction counts their um, funding and their staffing slightly differently. But we do think that there's some important takeaways from this, including that Shoreline is um, kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of contract funding. Um, and in terms of number of staff, you can see it's on the lower end um, with the lowest amount uh, of admin support, especially. And if you're wondering, what, what are all those staff members doing in Issaquah? Um, they have you know, a behavioral health coordinator that was created in partnership with their police department. That number includes um, staff members that support their community core and do you know, case management services. They also have an emergency um, housing pilot project going on, and that includes three staff members. So there is a range in terms of um, the staff that are employed and are dedicated to human services work at each of these jurisdictions. Some other key themes from those interviews. um, We definitely heard that the impact of ARPA and COVID recovery recovery funds um, really allowed all jurisdictions to expand their reach when it came to human services. there is a concern um, for everyone about the cliff that is coming um, in the end of 2024. Jurisdictions are reviewing their contracting approach to make sure that it's equitable and are also aiming to reduce the number of contracts they have with human service organizations and are wanting to provide greater funding amounts. Some of these cities are funding 40 to 50 different programs, and so they're looking to reduce that number and actually increase the amount that they can give to each individual organization. All five cities that we interviewed have full-time human service coordinator positions that are mostly focused on that admin support. And three out of five have developed or are currently developing human services strategic plans. So there really is a kind of a regional trend of wanting to make sure that um, there's a strategic approach to human services. Many of the cities, like I showed, um, have additional city staff that provide direct services. And all are just thinking about the role of regional players, including the King County Regional Homeless Authority, knowing that the housing affordability crisis is not going away and it requires a regional approach Um, so i'll pass it off to catherine to talk about next steps
0: thanks and i won't take up much more of your time you've heard from us that we plan to come back to you in february and provide recommendations specifically in the areas of the priorities for service goals and programs funding levels and that internal staffing structure and we hope that when we come back in April, we'll have been able to resolve any questions that you've had and uh, bring you the full strategic plan uh, for your adoption. Thank
7: you. Thank, thank you. Is there any council questions, comments? Council Member
3: Scully. Thank you. And I appreciate the work that's gone into this. Uh, I didn't sort of know what to expect as an agenda item. This is not what I was hoping for. Um, I'm gonna tell you why. Th- this is hyper granular and it takes a ton of work and I respect that. But what I think we need to do at this point, given sort of burgeoning needs and a model that may be the right thing if we fund it in an increasing manner or may not be, is a strategic look at what we need, what needs we need to fill. So are there folks going hungry in Shoreline? Yes. How many, how do we currently serve them? What's the homeless population? Is KHR, KCRHA doing enough? What are the other social service needs, right? This tells me down to the dollar what Bothell spends, but it doesn't tell me, gosh, there is a huge unmet need with existing programs Maybe I need to float a bond measure that gets us a million dollars a year to spend on this problem that we've been spending tens of dollars going towards in the past. So I'm hoping it's not too late to refocus this and give us more on what we need to accomplish rather than how we're doing it and how we might tweak tweak the small parts of it, right? And, And I encourage you to do what I've encouraged everybody who does a strategic plan, and that's think big. Figure out how to solve all these problems or to the best of our current ability and then we can decide, here's what we can actually do. But without the picture of what's possible, it's really hard to construct funding priorities or find new sources of revenue. My final point is, every single time we get a roads project through here, I note that we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on road improvements, and then we have long debates over how, over whether we should authorize an additional $2,500 to go to Hope Link or whatever. So I'd encourage you to think, think big and get less granular and more Focused on the problems and the ways to fill them. Thank you, uh, Councilmember Robertson.
5: Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you, Councilmember Scully, for that. I, I agree. I would love some more detail, um, and I do have a couple just other questions to ask. Um, one thing, maybe when we come back, uh, you put up that comparison of the shorelines one percent versus per capita. Do we actually know, like, if we moved to a per capita, have we done that math so you could put forth to us, like? we would be at this percentage, or what this dollar figure per capita and
18: et cetera? Yes, we can do that math. I think what we're more targeting also is that is the competitive amount. And there are the uh, these other um, buckets of, of funding that the council has traditionally funded into. So also looking at outside of the competitive, whether that's 10% per capita with a COLA or some some other measure that we would have a way to, to um, uh, Councilmember Scully's point, think big and broadly and be able to uh, provide a, a uh, slate of projects or, or categories that we would be able to fund under. And so whether that is a per capita simply for the competitive and then the other categories, whether that's the senior center. Uh, increase to include the social worker going forward with a cola that would be the type of um, information we would look and we can absolutely provide that in a chart for sure
5: yeah i mean i think we all agree we don't spend enough and we should spend more um so whatever gets us to like more of an apples to apples comparison just to get an understanding um not that we want to be like run of the mill and i think you know we have uh the desire to be leaders in this area, but you, you ask, you say about all these other other dollar figures that could be added in. I don't know. Do the other cities have those added in as well? If there's any way to kind of baseline it?
18: Yeah, this apples to orange to apples comparison has been the burden of the okay. human services right. in this region because, for example, there are a lot of cities that fully fund and staff their senior center, and we don't we don't have that here. We have a nonprofit yeah. that we do provide funding for, but it's. It's within a contracted amount so even if we look at straight human services contracted programs, it's hard to pull out you know oh but we fund the senior center and they have their own that's in a in a line item in their budget so uh, it's a it's a challenge to be able to have those comparisons and we've attempted to do uh, to to provide some context to the numbers but yeah. it can be a challenge
5: so. If it is impossible, it sounds like basically impossible to do a straight comparison, then just understanding what the need is and how far how much more we need to be able to fund it uh, to the point already made is is essential. Um, I this may be a little bit off track, but when I looked at the at look at the survey and I realized it's from twenty twenty two, um, I'd love just a, a reminder of, and I probably can probably look it up. How many people were involved in that survey?
18: That was the uh, resident survey that's done yeah. by a consultant firm, and it's like statistically valid. So it's the one that um, happens during, I believe, the summer months. Uh, the phone survey, and it actually has very similar results okay. from 2020, yeah, 2020 and 2022 at the top. Um, focus that the survey said that it should be on quality of human overall quality of human services and response to homelessness.
5: Yeah. So um, for me, just a little a little side note takeaway is this is this is a really great reminder of what our community cares about, and not always the loudest voices that come and show up in smaller numbers, at our council meetings to let us know what they care about. This is a much broader, wider swath of our community. Um, and that's one thing that I'm taking away from this presentation. So thank you for that reminder.
7: Any further council discussion? Council Member you-
10: Thank you, Mayor. It is great that we are in sync. When Councilmember Mosco was speaking, I said, well, he's reading from my notes. <laughs> so I went in into this with my business Development, hard on. This is a strategic plan. So, this is a problem. This is what we are doing now. This is what we want to do. And this is the cost to tighter. To mm-hmm. So, it, it was just going to be that way. However, uh, I saw the next steps and I said, well, it's coming in February, maybe. <laughs> That's why I don't want to go hard on you on that. But I need to applaud you for the work done in comparison with the, with the staff in other cities and what the city of Shoreline is doing. I saw point four. So this is how is this possible then i said 1.4 okay 1.8 how, how is the work being done and so as we're moving forward i'll be very happy to see uh the numbers and i just want to see possibly a budget of what we're doing now but if it can be incorporated into the citywide uh, forecast of down the road five years from now this is where we want to get to with human services and then tie the the amount of cost to right strategically so that's all I want to say thank you
7: thank you councilmember Ramsey uh, thank you mayor
10: um
6: thank you for uh, the presentation it was, it was um, excellent in terms of the, the detail I'd like to reiterate what uh, um, uh, councilmember Scully uh, said which is um, you know I, I would like to see in the kind of the, the project I'd like some examples of let's say what would like as, what would having full-time staff, you know, look like? Um, uh, you know, we we know that you know there's going to be greater retention. Um, uh, there'll be a little more standardization in terms of the of the services that are that are provided. Um, uh, I yeah I again just th- think big, you know, and we uh, you know. It's, it's said that we're, you know, our, our growth rate has been only about one percent or less than one percent. But I mean, we're, our growth is projected to be a lot more than one in the, percent in the next few years. And as we have uh, you know, increased uh, concentration of people around the transit corridors and along, along um, Aurora, we're going to be seeing a diff- you know, more and more renters. And so, I'm really I'd like just to kind of look at things like eviction prevention, so um, I know, like, you know having utility assistance, rental assistance, you know, having, having those as um, a case management services, um, having some of those be really um, um, uh, a significant uh, part of our human services are things that, you know, I think would be help, really helpful to prevent people from being homeless. So I'd like us to, you know, look at, you know, like broad, broadly and don't hesitate to, you know, ask us for, lots of money. So because I think there's a lot of support, you know, on the council for, for su- supporting uh, human services in, in Shoreline. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Council Member Ademasu.
4: Hi. Thank you for a great presentation and all the work that was put in. So aside from funding, like if we had a magic wand, um, admin costs or, or overhead, so I'm shocked that it's just 0.4 FTE. So absolutely, I would think we need at least one FTE as admin to oversee all the programs that are needed in this area. Um, Whether the money goes to direct services in-house, like some of those uh, three other cities have done, or whether it's contracted out, um, direct services one-on-one is where the money is needed. So so that would be a focus I would be looking at. Um, there's been a lot of comments from residents from your studies that say people need assistance on accessing what services are out there. And of course King County Public Health has integrated health with behavioral health, addict, addiction services, um, help filling out the Medicaid, help filling out Apple care, Um, these are things I think the city can do. Uh, I don't want to recreate the wheel with what King County Public Health, Center for Human Services are already doing. But where can the city have staff to do the things to get people there? Um, How about a voucher programs? They've worked really well with utilities, with rent. Um, how about since someone's waiting for behavioral health care, maybe a voucher program, here's your voucher for your emergency, go access it in private sector since you're waiting for your Medicaid appointment four months from now. Um, voucher programs have very little overhead And have that direct one-on-one money going to the person in need Um, education and outreach that was big comments from residents I think staff FTEs could do that part of it Um, prevention programs like at teen centers we've got teen center peer counseling type you know have A coordinator oversee like teen centers I don't know I'm just trying to think of those type of um, things that are needed and Mm -hmm. I think city staff if they were funded and had FTEs could do that and direct services to
8: the
18: organizations that do direct service one-on-one. We're very lucky to have, that's not included in this, a very um, active and involved teen program that's run under our Recreation Department. Whether it's drop-in programs, they have counseling. um, So that's not something, um, but I agree with you that those services are very important. Thank you. Deputy Mayor Mark.
9: Uh, Thank you, Mayor. Thank you very much for the presentation. It was was really interesting and eye-opening. You can see that this is an issue uh, that all of us are quite passionate about. I've been uh, listening carefully to my colleagues who all have very informative things to say, so I look forward to you coming back in February. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Before we go to a second round, I'm going to uh, uh, add my comments here. I do agree uh, with where Councilmember Scully was talking about is what are the outcomes we want to achieve with this plan? What are... What are our goals um, in terms of? Uh, is our goal to reduce the number of people who are losing their homes by a percentage, or to, or to prevent anyone in the city of Shoreline from being evicted because of a emerg- um, medical emergency or something like that? Is, is what are our goals? I, I think that's what Councilmember Scoli was sort of alluding to. Is what are our goals, and then how? Do- and then the second piece is how do we? Um, how do we get to and achieve those goals? And I think over the past, we've kind of ad hoced it in terms of, not. we've had a good community who sort of helped uh, organize and sort of direct sort of the contracted funding. Um, I remember serving on that committee way long ago, Uh, but I think that in terms of where the council direction has been, it's been, okay, we have this need, we have these dollars, we're going to apply it to where we think may be the greatest need. We have, I think we've done a good job of trying to direct it to the greatest needs, but without a, it hasn't been, okay, we are doing this to, we're doing this to help the community, we're not doing it because it's going, we're going, It's we're. We are we don't have that goal, that metric that we're trying to achieve. And so I think that. To the to any extent that we can sort of If we maybe we don't want to but I mean at least have that discussion of okay Here are some goals and of what we want to achieve with our human services program The se- the question I do have um, at this point is you mentioned in the staff report that uh, several cities including Issaquah and Ken- uh, Kirkland but also Mercer Island have gone to a more direct services model I don't want to spend too much time talking about this today, but can you sort of explain in more depth why those cities made those decisions that they did?
18: That's a great question. And what we've been told, I believe, uh, both in conversations with Burke staff and then just conversations that I have with their staff is um, it's easier to hire someone to come work for the city with usually a little bit better pay and better benefits to do uh, what can be seen as sometimes challenging work, whether that's behavioral health um, and homeless outreach. Um, There are several cities that contract for homeless outreach services, or not contract, I'm sorry, staff that directly in-house. And then frankly, on Mercer Island, it's really challenging to have a nonprofit on the island. And so for some of their behavioral health, they just hire uh, licensed uh, mental health professionals to do the work. Uh, at uh, their recreation center okay thank you
0: yeah the- please thanks um, i just wanted to note that i'm really happy to hear you all asking us for to think big and one of the ways that we'll be thinking big is that in terms of this direct services model as bethany noted oftentimes cities are better able to provide a higher wage and benefits Two people providing direct services. One of the things we'll be looking at is the wage equity study that was recently done in King County, thinking about how the city can be a good supporter of nonprofit or organizations that are providing direct services in order to kind of uh, think about that equitably. Are people doing the same work and not being compensated at the same level? So that'll be some context that we continue to bring back to you as we look at recommendations. And we'll also be looking at Lots of uh, kind of different ways that people are thinking about approaching human services needs, whether it's one-off in those categories that we've talked about, or in terms of things like, do, do, do should there be staff exploration of promising practices where there's block grants or allocations to people, where then they're able to decide how to spend that, similar to the voucher program that Council Member Padmasu was talking about. So we're looking forward to bringing those big ideas back and are happy to have the, this uh, welcoming context for them.
7: Thank you.
6: Councilmember Member uh, Thank you, Mayor. Um, Yeah, just a couple more questions. Um, uh, One is on on page four you said, um, maybe I didn't understand this correctly, but you said the current community services division staffing structure and capacity does not allow for in-depth review or comprehensive evaluation of programs so that kind of brings me to like the issues of like performance reviews and mm-hmm. outcome measures and things like that and I think Ed, I would um, I know uh, our city manager is kind of that's one of his emphasis is <laughs> he's emphasizing having that that position um, or that program established in our city and I'm really hoping that some some of that will be incorporated um, not only how we're, how we're how we're performing but how are, how are, our, are the uh, agencies that we're contracting with how are they performing are we actually, like, uh, are, th- are we giving money for eviction prevention or, or utility assistance? Are they, is that, is it doing what we want it to do? And that, I think that will really help us have a sense of, like, where is the best place to spend our money, you know, um, to help our community? So uh, I'd really love to see, you know, that uh, that is an element of the recommendations. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, the mention of the financial cliff. That's scary, you know. So what, uh, I mean... What what do we do? I mean, what's the answer I we is it, is it you know trying to get grant money? I mean, I'm sure that as a council we would Be willing to help with, with quite a bit of that, but but like what? Um, what efforts are, are being made by our city as well as other cities to kind of that you're aware of that to make up that that loss of um, uh, Revenue, so thank you
18: I can say like it was mentioned uh, all the cities are very concerned about the cliff that's that's been created. Um, unfortunately, there was a deficit just in terms of service needs before. and so it just it's been made worse. and I think that um, while a lot of economic factors seem promising other than inflation, you know they keep telling us we're not hitting a recession, I think that's uh, not being felt by the entire community.
7: Thank you. Any further discussion? Okay, thank you very much. It is 8.28 and the council is now going to recess into an executive session for a period of 30 minutes as authorized by RCW 1 i to discuss with legal counsel matters relating to city enforcement actions or litigation. Council is not expected to take action following the executive session. And then directly after an adjournment, the council will attend a closed session Pursuant to RCW 423144B to discuss collective bargaining. the January 20 January 8th 2024 regular meeting is now adjourned